You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come in great power by your Spirit, that our eyes would be opened to the beauty and goodness and graciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we might be given power on high to be your servants in this broken and sinful world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, For the next five Sundays up until Palm Sunday, we will be doing a sermon series on the book of Titus a letter written from Paul to Titus, but as you will see as the weeks go on, that also a letter written from God to us. So for the next five Sundays, let's look over Titus's shoulder and read what God would say to us. Paul, this morning in these opening nine verses, lays out the testimony of all Christians but also those qualifications for leadership in the local congregation, that is pastors, mainly the lead pastor over a congregation. And though much time is spent on the latter in this passage, I don't want us to lose the general thrust of the passage that it has to do with those of us who do not serve as lead pastors. In fact, Uh, Paul uh, lays out that which is true of all of us who seek to serve the Lord Jesus. Paul begins writing in verse 5 to say, I left you in Crete, that is Titus, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. He's saying here that there is a necessity for pastors Now, the word here in English is elders, and later on he would use the word overseers. And the Greek words are presbyter for elder, where we get the word presbyterian, a government by elders, uh, where we get the word priest from presbyter, uh, and the word episkopos, meaning overseer, is where we get episcopal or episcopalian for oversight of bishops uh, or episcopalian. Uh, But actually here, Paul is saying that that those two terms are the same thing. That a presbyter oversees. Uh, We have a threefold order in our own uh, tradition of bishops, priests, and deacons. uh, But that was a second century development. Here, the ministry of the presbyter is to oversee the congregation. And it really, functionally, is no different today for those of us that lead congregations. And then Paul goes on to say, and this is what kind of men ought to be leading these local congregations. And he lays out three areas which are of paramount importance for who these men are. These are to be men of conviction, character, and men of competence. Conviction, character, and competence. And as I said, this is no different for what you might consider yourself to be the average Christian, that these ought to be marks of our lives as well. Well, immediately Paul begins with the issue of conviction, where he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. 
This word that he used, servant, actually is better translated as bondservant or actually slave. Paul, a slave of God. Now, we repel at that notion, don't we? I'm the slave to nobody. I'm in charge of my life. I mean, even some of Jesus' hearers at one point in time said as Jewish people, we've been slaves to no man. Really? I've read Exodus. I've read of the Babylonian captivity. How can you say you've not been slaves to anybody? And although our modern slavery, what we experience in our everyday lives, we may not be able to point to any particular kingdom. All of us are slaves to somebody or something nonetheless. There is something that so consumes us that it is what gives us the drive in life and we're willing to make great sacrifices in order to accomplish that which our heart desires. We're reminded time and time again in the Psalms that those idols of the world have eyes but they do not see. They have ears but they do not hear. They have mouths but do not speak. Those who worship them become like them. So it's no wonder that In our fallen world, that spiritually speaking, we have a lot of mute, deaf, and dumb people wandering around. Because if we are looking for idols to get us what we want, we become like them. And not only that, the thing about idols is that we think that we've got a hold of them, but actually they have a hold of us. Bob Dylan was right. you got to serve somebody. And Paul says, all of us are in slavery, but who are you going to be enslaved to? The world, which will leave you deaf, dumb, and mute? Or will you be a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ in whose service is perfect freedom? This is his conviction. I've been wholly given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we stood just a couple minutes ago and we said, I believe, was it mere intellectual assent? Or did your heart cry out, I believe? I'm given wholly over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convicted of who I am as a person in need of rescue. But moreover, I'm convicted of the man who can rescue me. The one where I had no hope has given me hope. And where there was no way, he's provided a way through his death and resurrection. All of my hope and my life and my being rest in Jesus. Full stop. As Martin Luther said, I am captive to the word of God. And Paul says, this is the hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. That's another hard word for us. Promise. All of us have experienced broken promises in our lives, whether they've been broken and you're the victim of that broken promise or you're the promise breaker yourself. It's gotten so bad in our culture that many of us this morning, you probably don't think a lot of promises at all. You can't trust anybody. 
And yet, here is a God who has never broken a promise ever and has promised to save you before the very foundations of the world and to be with you, to abide with you, to send you his spirit from on high. He has never, ever broken that promise, nor will he ever leave you nor forsake you. When the rest of the world is letting you down, here is the sure foundation in Jesus Christ. He is the God of promises who never lies. And so, when we read his word and say, yeah, I'm just not going to believe that, we make God a liar. When we say, God, I know that you clothe the lilies of the field and you provide for the sparrows of the air, but I realize you might fall through, so I'm going to have to try extra hard to pick up where you leave off. We treat God as if he's a liar. Are we thoroughly convicted? Or as we were reminded this week by Walter Wood quoting John Stott, are we thoroughly converted? Have we given ourselves wholly over to the Lord Jesus Christ and thrown ourselves upon his mercy? Do we know who he is and what he's done for us in his cross and resurrection? And when we have that established conviction, we're given a change of heart and all of a sudden our very character is changed. In fact, the word that he uses here, godliness, if you see that there in verse, uh, where are we? Uh, In verse 1 which accords with godliness, that could just as well in the Greek be translated as God-centeredness. That's what it means to be godly, to have Jesus Christ at the very center of your life and to live a life within the Spirit. And you say, well, how do I do that? You go back to conviction. If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises to send you the Holy Spirit of God to live within you. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit begins to work within you where fruit begins to bear itself out. Now, some of us think that it's up to us to produce fruit. But you know, the Bible never talks about that. The Bible only says that believers on the Lord Jesus Christ are to bear fruit. Because who produces it? God himself. The Holy Spirit is like the sap within the tree that begins to produce that fruit. And like any good fruit-bearing tree, we simply bear it. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're given over to conviction, our character begins to be shaped and formed. So our lives are changed and we become one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul gets into some detail talking about these men who are to be lead pastors. He says, one who is above reproach, the husband of one wife. I like how the Greek says it, a one-woman man. And his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. That one makes me nervous. For an overseer, as God's steward must be above reproach, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so... Character really does matter. 
These things matter for the life and witness of the church. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God gives us over to these things. And Paul says, look, if somebody's going to be a lead pastor, they really have to be above reproach because otherwise it's going to hurt the witness of the gospel in the world. And then, finally, in our last verse, he gets to competency. Now, isn't that interesting? He starts with conviction, he moves to character, and then he goes to competency. Because when it comes to ministry, or any secular job for that matter, we almost always reverse the order, don't we? We look for competency first. Are they good at what they do? And then conviction and character can come along if they wish. But Paul says, no, no, no. The two most important things that you ought to be looking for in a lead pastor and ought to mark the Christian life are conviction and character. I mean, I would much rather have a a pastor who is a man of conviction and character and maybe not be a very good preacher than one who is a great preacher but has no conviction in character because that's deadly. And some of you may be out there this morning uh, thinking the same thing, that you're trying to figure out where you fit in to God's church, how you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't your thoughts initially just go to, but I'm no good at that. I'm not equipped to teach the children. I don't have the skills to do that. That's our flesh. But in fact, what I'm looking for are men and women who have been given themselves wholly over to God and have fruit being born in their lives because of their rootedness in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can teach you how to teach. I can't argue anybody into the kingdom of God. Character is rooted in conviction and our competency flows out of our character and conviction. Our competency flows out. I mean, think of what St. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's the conviction. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. St. Paul, in his own words, was incompetent. And yet, as the book of Acts tells us, that the accusation lodged against Paul and his colleagues was these men are turning the world upside down. Because they were eloquent? Because they had the skills? No, because in their weakness was demonstrated the very power of God. And next to the Lord Jesus Christ, no one has ever walked the face of the earth that has had a greater impact on Christ's church than the Apostle Paul. And it turns out that he is just like you and just like me. Mm. But that doesn't mean that competency is not important. We do want 
people to be able to rightly handle the word of God, to be able to look, and that's where the competency competency comes from. Paul says that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You want competency? Root yourself in God's word. I think it's interesting that if you were to visit the treasury department and go to their counterfeit unit, do you know how they train their agents to, to tell what is counterfeit money and what is not? They have them so study the real thing that they can spot the fake immediately. So many of us in the world think that, well, we need to dabble in this and dabble in that and get behind enemy lines and understand where people are coming from. And I mean, there may be a place for all that, but Paul says, no, no, no. And even the treasury department says, no, 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 no. You want to be able to spot the fake? You want to be able to rebuke the fake? Know the real thing. Know the real thing. That is Bible competency and what St. Paul is talking about. These things are life and death consequence. And so this morning, if you're one of those who's saying, I think that God may be leading me to work in full-time ministry, have you given yourself fully over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you convicted of who you are as a broken sinner? And are you convicted of the great Savior that is Jesus Christ that was death and resurrection? Is the fruit of God's Spirit being shown forth uh, in your life? And are you being used to develop the skills that God has given you to proclaim the gospel? Are you rooted in God's Word? Or you may say, I have no interest in doing that. The questions are still the same to you. Have you given yourselves over? If you think, well, I, I read these character things and I think, golly, that, that's not me. The answer is not to work harder on your character. Stop looking so much at yourself and look at Jesus. If you think you have a character problem, go back to conviction. Look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it comes to the skills, when you think, I'm out of my depth, God's Spirit will equip you, and God's church will equip you. For by His mercy, He uses every single one of us to take the gospel to the very ends of the earth. And so that God might, in His mercy, use us, a people of conviction, a people of character, and a people of competency. In God's word, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.